I was in line at the Starbucks in the Memphis airport this week on my way to depart, feeling a bit miserable, honestly, and consumed with my inward state. So it took about 10 minutes for me to realize that something strange was going on. First, the customer orders weren't quite right. Rather than the rote recitations of venti, salted, caramel, cold brew, half cream, triple shot, extra foam, skinny lattes, <laughs> everyone was giving the barista surprisingly specific tea orders, tea orders in English accents. I noticed my surroundings for the first time at that point and saw that everyone around me in line was wearing some kind of jacket or t-shirt or fanny pack emblazoned with UK Elvis Tour 2022. <laughs> Just then a voice came across the loudspeaker asking the passenger who had left the bag of Elvis collectibles at the Delta check-in counter to please return and claim them. So, as I walked away with my own scalding cup of English breakfast, because deep down I've always regretted that we run, won the revolution, I heard flight attendants wishing farewell to all those who had attended Elvis Week this year in Memphis. Just missed it. I lived in Memphis for three and a half years. I did the obligatory Graceland visit before leaving, but only because someone comped us the tickets. Elvis, you may not know, is a very complicated figure in Memphis. On the one hand, his legacy is valued because he kept his home there. He made Memphis a tourist destination, and uh, apparently the Brits in particular are willing to spend a lot of money to take a tour through a highly carpeted but otherwise pretty average house. But on the other hand, Elvis is downright reviled by most of the locals. His rags-to-riches success was built on making black culture palatable to white America. The number of his songs proven to be stolen and uncredited from black Memphis artists is actually pretty shocking in our age of never-ending copyright disputes. And it doesn't seem like he had any real desire to lift up and improve the lives of the folks he was getting rich off of. I remember one of the acts of generosity proudly displayed in the Graceland Museum when I went through was that one time Elvis bought tickets for hundreds of Memphis youth to attend a football game. When I saw that, Missy literally clapped her hand over my mouth and pulled me from the room because my verbal outrage was loud enough to make her worried that an Elvis fan was going to jump me. <laughs> um, the line that she likes to use in those moments is, it's clear you've never been punched. <laughs> so, right. So the most recent Elvis controversy in Memphis right now, I found out, is actually centered on the airport that I just went through. There was a call a few months back for local artists to have their work displayed at the newly renovated terminal uh, because you do only need one terminal in Memphis. And an Asian-American Memphian photographer named Tommy Ka submitted a self-portrait of himself as Elvis. There was an outcry about an Asian Elvis. 
So the airport pulled the work. Then a corresponding outcry about them pulling it. So now it's back. Which brings me, of course, to our gospel. The story we read today is one of the many controversy stories told about Jesus. You know the arc of them, right? There's the societal, religious expectation, some kind of norm, and Jesus just tramples all over it. As myself, as a teenager with a bit of a rebellious streak, I loved these stories of Jesus throwing a wrench in the system designed to serve the powerful and the attractive. I still do. But after 2,000 years, Christians tell these stories in a sort of settled way, like like Jesus upsets his fellow Jews, so the good guys run off and form Christianity, and they were like, no laws now, no rules, just grace, man. But the controversy at the heart of this story, I think, is actually a much more interesting story. I was talking to a Jewish friend of mine the other day. He's trying to become fully observant, to follow all of the 600-some commandments in the scripture. A significant piece of that is not working on the Sabbath. Y'all, we Christians really need to claim this part of our heritage. Imagine one day a week without screens, without driving, where your food's already been prepared and is bubbling away in the crock pot all night. You worship, you read the Bible, you sing, you eat, you play, you hang out with the people you love. That's it. And it's more than just your own personal discipline. It's, It's a whole community. Imagine doing this because they believe that God loves them and wants them to rest. But with this commandment to rest... There are also plenty in there about what to do when you must work on the Sabbath, when someone's in need, when someone's in peril, or like Jesus says, when your livestock needs a drink. What I'm saying here is that Jesus isn't actually splitting from his community when he heals this woman on the Sabbath, even if we kind of tell it that way. He's saying this other commandment is there too. There are times when those, com- those commandments will come into conflict with each other. But he says, can't you see what's necessary? The guy arguing with Jesus about the healing isn't just a biblical literalist. There's plenty in the tradition that allows for exactly what Jesus did. I do not know an observant Jew who wouldn't drive you to the hospital on the Sabbath. There is a much deeper issue here than Christian versus Jew. It's something ancient and way more lasting. Jesus is daring to upset important people by enacting a different story about the Sabbath and bringing in, well, her of all people, the hunched woman brought low by unnameable weights. This action over and over, the unclean, the outsider, the unexpected. Today, this woman is named a daughter of Abraham, their flesh and blood. 
What I'm saying is that Jesus has replaced the velvet Elvis with the self-portrait of a man of Asian descent whose every characteristic defies expectations and norms. But ought not this woman, bound for 18 years, be set free on this Sabbath day? Okay. I'm at that point where I'm risking pushing the Elvis metaphor to a preposterous distance. But I'll say I liked Tommy Ka's work because it got to something true, I think, about what Elvis did, even if he did it selfishly and poorly. He did become a kind of bridge for many folks as their first introduction to the art and the music and the lives of black America. And now, Tommy Ka is going to work on that very same bridge. There are echoes of this gospel story all over our world, aren't there? The controversies that surround us every time the outsider story is lifted up, or when the idols of our lives prove to have feet of clay. The children of Abraham, the children of God, still ought to be healed on this Sabbath day. Here's what it looks like. Jesus reaching out to you, telling you to stand up straight to praise God. Is there any better way to spend a Sabbath life?